Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we are back in the studio today. At least part of us, Pastor Russ, is not here, but Pastor Phil is back. How are you doing today, brother? Doing really well today, enjoying the sort of springy weather outside. Yeah, it feels like we haven't been here together for a while, huh? No, we haven't, but it's good to, good to be back together. <laughs> it is good. Well, we are going to record some uh, shows on Passion Week. Next week is Passion Week, the week leading up to Jesus' uh, death and then, of course, burial and, and resurrection. And there are so many different situations and events that took place, so we're just kind of cherry-picking the ones that we thought would would be beneficial to you, our listener. Today, we are going to look at uh, John chapter 12, 1 through 8, and this is when Jesus arrives in Bethany. And let me just read that, and then we'll talk about it together. So in John chapter 12, we read this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. House was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So what's going on in this account? Why was this important for Jesus' Passion Week? What, what can we draw from this passage? Well, may, maybe the first thing to notice uh, in the first verse of John chapter 12, uh, John tells us six days before the Passover. Now, the Passover is so significant in Jewish understanding of the saving work of God, and, and it becomes so crucial in the meaning of Jesus and the sacrifice that he's about to make on the cross. Uh, remember at the beginning of John's gospel, uh, the first one to speak aloud to identify the mission of Jesus was John the Baptist. And it's in John's gospel that John sees Jesus coming along the banks of the Jordan River, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Jesus will be the Paschal Lamb of the ultimate Passover. And of course, the Passover was remembering God's saving work in liberating his people from slavery in Egypt. 
And on the night of the, the original, the first Passover, every family was to kill a lamb and put the blood over the, on the doorposts so that the, the angel of death would pass over their house. That's, what, that's where the, the word Passover uh, comes from. Uh, but of course, the ultimate uh, lamb of God is going to be Jesus. And, and John wants us to know that these events are lining up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not just happenstance, that, that, that it's the sacrifice of Jesus is going to coincide with the Passover. And, and this is, you know, is following on uh, John chapter 11. And John chapter 11 is when uh, Lazarus is uh, raised from the dead. He's, he'd been dead for three days. He's in the tomb, and Jesus comes to the home of Lazarus and raises him from the dead. The news of, of that had spread throughout the region. Uh, the chief priest, uh, you know, uh, Caiaphas was concerned that everybody was following after them. And he said, the Romans are going to come in and take our place and our nation. And uh, so he he makes this proclamation. Now you understand it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation should perish. Now he's looking for a political savior. You know, he's, he wants to keep the nation intact. Jesus wants to keep his people uh, saved throughout eternity. And uh, so in between John 11 and John 12, Jesus has gone in, over into the land of Ephraim. He's gone across the Jordan. Um, and he's simply biding his time because his time wasn't yet. And this time the Passover is coming. Um, the chief priests have actually said, you know, we're going to take him, take him out, but not at Passover. And Jesus says, ah, no, at Passover. <laughs> you know, he's, he knows his date. He knows when he's going to the cross. And he, you know, shows again the sovereignty of our Lord. Uh, but he's going to the cross at that time. So the, mm-hmm. this event kind of, you know, with the backstory, you realize everything is being put into uh, place. He goes to the home of uh, Simon the leper, who, and he's called the leper because he was actually cured from leprosy. So there's a, he has a lot of friends here in Bethany. He has uh, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, uh, Simon the leper. There's you know he's come he's come during that Passion Week when Jerusalem's filling up. Bethany's only a few miles away from Jerusalem on the other side of the Mount of Olives. So he's uh, with with people that he knows, and they and they're actually celebrating his redeeming of several people in the, already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, the significance of this event Jesus alludes to at the end after he rebukes Judas, he says, "Leave her alone." Well, this is the rebuke, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. This perfume that Jesus, or that Mary poured out on Jesus, there's a good likelihood that he still stunk of it when he was going to the cross six days later because of the the potency of it, the concentration of it. This was a a sealed, very expensive container. Um, This is one of those things you open once and then maybe put into some other vessel to reseal it because it says she broke the neck of this uh, bottle, uh, however it was sealed. Also, when you recognize the cost of it, it was the equivalent of a person's wages for a year. So mm-hmm. if you think about your own wages, you know, if you were out of work for a year, you're spilling out this on the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And so the, it's very significant. And Judas knew the cost of everything. So he actually makes the point uh, about this immense cost that's being poured out. Yeah, yeah it was actually an imported perfume. And the, this may be uh, a, a bit of Bible trivia, but it was actually imported from India. Mm-hmm. So that also added to the expense. This is something, this was something very precious intended to be used probably once in a lifetime. Yeah. And it, it and it's, um, yeah, if it's, it's the one thing that if you were fleeing your house, you would grab, you know, they, this was of immense, immense value. Mm-hmm. I mean, it somehow goes to the status of, of uh, that family. Somehow Mary has come into has come to be able to have this. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know, this is not something that everybody has. Yeah. So you have this very expensive uh, perfume being poured out, and Judas wants them to, um, you know, provide for the poor. Yeah. You know, or actually, we've all heard it. I mean, I've heard it. I, I heard it in, from childhood. You know, you better eat everything on your plate because there's starving children in India, or there's, you know, we've all been manipulated by the poor. And and Judas is in, and uh, the other disciples are somewhat indignant. Actually, when it says they were indignant. Um, it uses a word that's, you know, they call it an onomatopoeia. It's a word that sounds like what uh-huh. it is. They just basically huffed and breathed out of their mouth. There was a certain, there was just disgust that this yeah. was happening yeah. because it was so expensive. Yeah. Well, and especially on the part of Judas. Well, and isn't it true that a very extravagant act of devotion, and that's what this is on the part mm-hmm. of Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, this is uh, a kind of perfume that would have been intended to be used once in a lifetime. Per- perhaps it was a gift uh, for her wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, or so, so to open this jar of ointment and to pour it onto Jesus is this extravagant act of devotion. And do and you know why the others are indignant? And particularly, why is Judas indignant? Because he's embarrassed, uh, an extravagant and and uh, emotional, um, intensely emotional act of devotion can make other people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, there was yeah. one more element um, of what she did. She let her hair down, yes. and she wiped Jesus's feet with her hair, which which culturally at that time. Uh, for a woman to let her hair down in public would have been seen as as scandalous. Yes, and so right. not only was Mary giving up uh, her greatest treasure in terms of wealth, but she was giving up her reputation. And 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 really, what we see here are are the only two responses to Jesus that really exist. Mm-hmm. Either you're falling down his feet and worshiping him, in the case of Mary, saying to the hell with my treasure, to hell with my reputation, or you're Judas, and and you're saying. What about me? Mm-hmm. And, and we have to recognize the problem wasn't the, their concern for the poor. The problem was their valuation of the poor over Jesus himself. Because if they knew at that moment, that the if they really recognized the person that they're with, they would have not have thought it really wise to evaluate 
the good of the poor over the adoration of Jesus, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, you know, if they had understood their own confession, if, you know, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, if they had under, truly understood that in the moment, then no extravagance would have been too much. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and Jesus welcomes this extravagant devotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he rebukes those who condemn it. Yep. In other words, he holds her up as a model of this, this is the devotion I'm seeking. Yeah. And Josh, you made a good point when you, you talk about, you know, the, these are, there's an either or response to, to Jesus' call on our life. And, um, you know, many people in the past have understood this. You know, um, one of my favorite pastors is Derek Thomas. And uh, when he became a Christian, he was uh, the first one saved in his family, I think. And he told his father he was going to, uh, you know, be a Christian, go on and serve the Lord. And, uh, and, his, and his father, he said, God is calling me into ministry. I'm going to be a minister. And his father says, what a waste. Mm. Um, you know, this is, this is the response that oftentimes people get when they decide to follow Jesus, yeah. when they want to draw mm-hmm. near to him. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe some clo- closing thoughts. It'd be easy to be skeptical and say this, well, you know, John 12 is happening on the, the heels of John 11. Of course, you know, Mary is worshiping Jesus in this way because she got her brother back. But, but that's a superficial way of reading the text. Jesus was worshiped by Mary because Mary discovered that Jesus was life himself. That's I am right. the way and the truth and life. I am the bread of life. And that's why she worshiped the Lord. And that's why he's going to the cross to give that life that she needs. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to the gospel for life. We will see you next time. 